The Sport Industry Access Podcast, Episode 62. What core skills do you need to be a digital sports marketer? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports professional in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in digital sport. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Sean Callanan. Sean is an international keynote speaker and founder of Sports Geek, specialising in connecting sports teams, fans and sponsors with the use of technology. Sean is also a podcaster where he's the host for the Sports Geek podcast show. If you want to work in the digital sector of the sports industry, it's a must listen. I can happily say that I'm very interested about Sean's line of work and it's great to have him as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode, Sean will share his sports career journey and explain to you the core skills you need to be a digital sports marketer. Sean, it's great to have you on the show. Please can you share your sports career journey to the listeners? When did it all start? Um, so I guess uh, it, it started when I started Sports Geek, which was eight years ago now. Um, before I started Sports Geek, I was a, just a regular geek. I was a coder developer for 15 years, um, but a long-time sports fan, and I was really frustrated on the uh, on the websites and the digital delivery that was done in the in the sports space. And so I thought I could offer something in that space and bring some of my uh, geek skills, my coder developer skills, sort of working in different different verticals and different markets um, as a developer, helping people build out better business systems and better communicate with customers and things like that. Um, but then when I did start um, in 2009 and, and into 2010, um, this sort of thing called social media sort of started to take hold in the in the world of sports. So I was really diving in on what was happening both in, in the US and the pro teams there and also what was happening in, in England and Europe and what the football teams are doing with those kind of platforms. So it was sort of right place and right time. And I think also – the, the technology and geek skills that I had allowed me to have a little bit more insight from, from uh, how the technology was working with, whether it be Facebook or Twitter and, and you know, Instagram and the things like that. So early on, I was teaching and teaching teams and leagues and stadiums and athletes how to best use these platforms. And, um, you know, the social media and digital revolution has happened. So teams are now fully fledged media outlets they're leveraging all of these digital platforms and now i find myself in that role of uh working on digital projects being an advisor to clubs or leagues um in how they can best leverage and engage their fans via the digital platforms that's probably the 
the shortest version of my backstory. Twists and turns along the way, but that's that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it. I find this really interesting. Before we talk about Sports Geek, would you mind explain to listeners how you seen the sports industry develop? from the last eight years looking back yeah well it is early on and i sort of joke about it but uh, when i started sports geek there was the people who were running the websites even if they did have websites but most of them did have websites at that stage you know there would have been people in the in the organization that was called a webmaster and they, their job was really just to update the website and keep it up to date um there wasn't you know, there wasn't content producers. They were creating videos, and there weren't. Uh, there definitely weren't social media managers and community managers. So um, it was a much, you know, smaller landscape and a smaller world. Um, and so, as and I feel that I played a part in both educating the market and help grow the market. Um, because when people say, "What should we do?" You know, "How should we grow a digital?" The advice for the last eight years, and it hasn't changed, is produce more good content that your fans want. Because the appetite that the fans have for the digital content has not has not been satisfied yet. And so that's why now, whether it's uh, you know whether it's Collingwood Football Club, the Portland Trailblazers, or Arsenal, um, they're staffing and resourcing that they've been applying to that digital and content department keeps growing. And you know they're not doing it out of the goodness of their hearts. Um, it's making it's making all the teams money. Uh, they've been able to get, you know, terrific commercial deals on the back of the growing social audience and the and uh, securing more page views and video views. Um, so you know, it's a it's a viable model. So that's that's sort of how the industry has grown. Um, and you know, what I've really enjoyed is watching teams and leagues sort of bounce off and push the bar higher every year. You know, everyone tries to um, outdo one another and sort of take. You know, I use a phrase on my on my podcast: "Steal with pride." They take someone else's activation or the way they've done it, and then someone else will do a twist on it and make it make it their own and do it for their team. But they'll they'll raise the bar a little bit more. They'll go a bit further. They'll push into live or they'll bring fans closer to the action. And it's all it's all. Um, it's all been good because all the teams benefit from that, and you know you can learn so much by just studying the market and seeing what people are doing, and also connecting people behind the scenes, which is been a bit of a secret of my success. Absolutely, just from an industry perspective, a lot of the listeners are graduate sports science students. How competitive is it with regards to job opportunities, in your opinion? Well, it is. It is very competitive. Um, I asked the same question to Mark Cuban, uh, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, about uh, you know what, uh, why should young graduates go into the sports business, and his answer was they shouldn't. It's really hard. Um, it's really competitive. Um, it's really rewarding, um, but nothing beats hard work. Nothing beats networking and and making connections with people. Um, nothing be nothing also beats just getting your hands dirty and doing whatever job, you know. I know I sp- I'm lucky enough to speak to, you know, C-level executives that still remember and still currently do to this day, you know, will still be setting up um, marquees at, on game day. We'll still be, you know, maybe have even put on a mascot costume at some point because it had to be done um, to, to sweeping out sheds and those kind of things. So, it can be very humbling um, at times when those tasks need to 
need to be done. Um, but the person that puts up their hand and says they'll do them, um, they get into the sports system. And, and the good thing about sport and the sports industry is once you're in, it's very uh, um, very inclusive and it, there is flexibility in there. You can, once you're in and you know people, you, there's flexibility to move both within the organisation you might be or to sort of jump from team to team or or from sport to sport. So it's uh, the, the classic one of just get your foot in the door no matter how you can do it. It definitely applies in sport. Just relating to today's main topic, what core skills do you need to be a digital sports marketer? Um, so the main thing I say to people who want to work in the digital space is uh, use the tools. Um, you know, there are now roles both being being created and still being, uh, being created in the last months and there'll be new roles in the next 12 months around being able to understand and use the tools that the teams need to need to use. So whether it's understanding how to how teams can leverage Facebook, and you know, if I was pointing someone into the Facebook area, I would say understand the ad technology and how the ads work and the, and the power of the ads. The fact that a lot of uh, sports teams are selling a lot of tickets via Facebook ads. Um, if it's something like Snapchat. Use it on your platform. Use it personally. Understand all the different idiosyncrasies, how to leverage it, how to um, – you know, jobs like a uh, Snapchat producer, they're starting to come up now. And if you're someone that can knows how to use the tool, um, knows how to do best practice, knows how to copy what the top influencers and the top producers are doing uh, – then you can find yourself in a role. I, mean, I think, you know, people like uh, you know Ian Pageant, um, who was a Vine artist, and he produces these amazing animations on Vine. That is now a defunct network, but he but he did it at such a high level that his animation and the techniques that he's learnt using Vine are still being applied. And he's been hired by big brands. He's done a lot of real good work with the San Francisco 49ers and the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And he was a guy that loved movie making and he loved the short form and he loved doing animation. And so he's become the best in the world at it. And so it becomes a it becomes a skill that people want. So there will be teams, you know, and there'll be executives there that go, yes, we've got our Facebook strategies in place. We know how to do it. We know how to do Twitter. We know how to do Instagram, but oh, Instagram stories, how do we go about doing that? And if you're someone that can say, I know how to do that, I know how to push the envelope uh, with that type of platform, then you're bringing a, a, new, school, a new skill to the business. Um, and so I think that's the advantage. Um, you can't just sort of say, oh, I want to work in sport, oh, but I don't really like Facebook or I don't use these platforms. Um, if you're not using them on your own personal platform, your own personal channels, how can you be expected to be handed the keys to a to a digital presence that has, you know, potentially millions of followers? Just from your experience with using social media from a sports industry perspective, is it best to pick a few channels, let's say like Facebook or Twitter, or is it best to do everything? Oh, uh, I, I think um, there's got to be you've got to be a bit of a generalist. You've got to be able to um, pick up um, different skills. Um, but I do think there is some advantage in um, having some specific skills around specific tools. There's a real need for people understanding that Facebook ad product and that side of things and the analytics and the data side of Facebook as much as content. Um, 
I think there will be more uh, skills around short-form content. How do you produce a video that really hits a mark on Instagram? How do you produce a story that um, is sort of a short-form short form TV almost and, and snap-produced type content that's going to hit the mark with that audience? Um, and that's just, again, you know, playing with playing with the tools, but then also be willing to learn and get into a new tool or a new platform. Um, and so, yeah, you've got to be, be able to pick up anything and and be able to run with it. But the good thing about it is, as opposed to eight years ago when it was there wasn't much information in the space and they were relatively new, now there's so many blogs and podcasts and, and websites that are sharing information. I think I'm reading more now than I was eight years ago to keep up with the trends and sort of see where things are going. So um, you really want to be well-read and uh, have a wide variety of things to keep an eye on so you can at least sort of have the knowledge to go, well, yeah, we might try that and see how that works. Absolutely, and I think you've highlighted a really good point to try and keep up with the trends. Just talking about podcasts, would you mind explaining to listeners a little bit more about Sports Geek and what inspired you to start your own podcast show? What inspired me is I find I found that when I started Sports Geek, I did a lot of blogging and telling people about the sports, digital, social media landscape. Um, and I also started doing a few radio spots with local local radio in uh, in sports radio over here in Australia. Um, and I sort of had a I was sort of thinking about doing doing a podcast, and I think it was 2014. I uh, was at a conference and I saw Pat Flynn um, from the Smart Passive Income podcast, which I'd listened to off and on, and I saw him present about uh, podcasting, and I sort of solidified for me to give it a go. Things like putting up my radio clips up on on, my, on sportsgeekhq.com, and they were getting a bit of response and a bit of traffic. But then when I started to stitch all my radio segments together um, as a podcast, people started to listen. And then I started not using my radio segments because I wanted to have a bit of a deeper dive conversation with the people and talk to the executives about how they got to where they got to and what tactics they were using, which really didn't work for the radio market. Um, and so, but the shorter answer is, as a writer, um, I'm a terrible writer, but as a speaker and a podcaster, it's, I found my medium. Um, to speak on radio. I'm happy to be a keynote speaker, um, and I'm happy to interview people and talk to them about what they what they do. So, you know, I produce the podcast primarily to stay connected with the people that I either meet um, via the internet or that I meet at conferences and the like. Um, and the goal of the podcast is. Uh, that I want to have my clients, my past clients, and my future clients all listen to it, and and through, and and it's worked. That has worked really well. Where I've had the point where someone will come up to me and say, "I've been listening to the podcast for ages. Um, we need help with our strategy, or we'd love to do this, or that kind of thing." So it's been a really effective business development tool for Sports Geek in uh, uh, getting more work, but it also the beauty of podcasting is it really breeds a lot of familiarity. So people come up to me after listening to the podcast, whether it be three episodes or a hundred episodes, and I've never met them before, but they don't feel that way because I've, I've been with them on walks around the lake or wandering through the city or many train, train trips. And, um, and so that's that familiarity that listeners sometimes have 
is a little bit awkward to begin with when you sort of figure it out, but then it's terribly humbling and um, it automatically builds a rapport. So, you know, I say in my podcast, I'm more than happy to, to catch up with Lister and uh, buy them a beer because it's uh, yeah, it's a it's a real buzz when I when I hear from them. I couldn't agree more. It's it's the best feeling in the world when you get engagement from fans around the world and who who appreciate the value. I think that's the big thing I've learned from this podcast show so far. Just touching back to your career now, what have you been up to recently? Uh, so recently, um, it's so probably doing a lot of work in. Um, uh, I do a lot of work in clubland. That's sort of what we call it uh, with with a few different clubs here, both in uh, the AFL, uh, which is a Australian rules and the NRL, which is rugby league uh, clubs, um, in different capacities. It really depends on what their uh, what their goals are. So if it's like the Adelaide Crows that have a really strong fan base, uh, strong membership, um, a full stadium, um, then they're looking to engage a new new a new fans and make sure those fans are engaged if they can't go to a game. Um, whereas the Rabbitohs. Um, who are owned by uh, Russell Crowe and Sam Burgess and the Burgess boys um, play play for the Rabbitohs. You know, they've got a real strong uh, data strategy where they're trying to better better understand their fans and better engage them via email. And so we look at how we're going to go about doing that and how we, how we do it via, you know, how we could use platforms like, like Facebook to start attracting that data. Um, to, uh, you know, to other things, whether it be working at, at, at a league level or um, or at a national organising body, whether it be like uh, football, uh, football Federation Australia or or the AFL, the league, um, the Australian Rules League. So it is uh, wide and varied. Like um, tomorrow, I'm flying up to Sydney to to work with the broadcaster to start planning their digital around uh, around the 2018 World Cup. So um, it does keep me it does keep me on my on my toes, um, um, but yeah, it's it, the the variety is the variety is fun, um, and uh, and it is always exciting. So my job is to sort of stay on top of the trends uh, and um, sort of see what the what teams are doing, um, and part of that is you know staying connected with the, those people so I know what they're doing, but then also being able to apply some of those things to to different clubs and of different sizes. So it yeah, it does keep it does keep me busy, but uh, yeah, wouldn't have it any other way. This sounds really interesting. It sounds like you've got a lot on as well. Out of interest, just reflecting now, what have you enjoyed the most from your career so far? I really like seeing uh, the the results of of the hard work. Um, like I still remember, you know, some of the early clients that that sort of took the leap of faith. Um, uh, Collingwood was an AFL team it was one of my first clients um i went to them as a collingwood fan um and said you know they had fifty thousand facebook fans at the time um it was six weeks before the end of the end of the season um and i said look i I really believe that there's there's far more fans there i think if we change some tactics and strategy and i said look I'll, i'll double your facebook fan base by the end of the season if you follow my follow my lead and do as i do as i say um, and six weeks later, um, they did make the grand final, the premiership, and they won. And yeah, we hit the hundred thousand. And it was 
as a fan of the team, obviously myself, I was super pleased to be to be have a small part in it. Um, but to sort of have that, and then to sort of see the similar results for other teams um, along the way, has been really rewarding. Um, whether it be you know Collingwood doing that, or um, you know uh, working with Jess at, at Manly, sort of pulling her out of a role and quickly forming a digital team and a digital department out of nothing and you know six months later she's sharing tweets on the field with the premiership uh, with manly in 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 2011 seeing seeing the people who are working behind the scenes in the digital department have some of those successes and especially on those big days whether they be big finals big uh, big occasions um and sometimes i'm there to say they work really hard for it and they're, they're trying to cover the whole event and, and share all these things on social. And I have to say, don't forget to look around and realise where you are. Like all the people who are probably listening to this going, I want to work in sport. It's going to be awesome when I'm there and there's this big game. And sometimes when you're working in sport and you're work, so focused on your job, you don't stop to smell the roses to a certain degree and look around and go, wow, look at where I am. So... Uh, when I talk to clients and people who have been in those positions, whether it's that or, you know, in the Asian Cup in Australia and we did a lot of work to, to fill the stadiums and did a lot of stuff from the advertising behind the scenes to, to sort of see that those full stadiums and know you played a little uh, small part in it um, is, is pretty satisfying. Absolutely. I think you've just hit the nail on the head about acknowledging the work you do and see it from a, a real perspective when you see the people. Sean, I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university sports students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? I think it sort of goes back to uh, uh, the, the, the amount of reading that I'm now, that I'm now doing. Um, there's really nothing stopping someone that's, you know, a young graduate, uh, university students. I've got my, my daughter's about to graduate and my son's just started university. Um, they're going to go into, and there's, you're going to go into roles that don't exist. There's just going to be great flexibility and opportunity and the ability to learn and be a leader in that space. Not, not dismissing all the stuff before about hard work and networking. Um, and some of that will be, you know, doing all that reading and connecting with the right people and, uh, and impressing them. Um, but, yeah, the opportunities in front of you, um, whether it be working abroad, working with different things, working with your favourite sport, um, that, that will be there um, because there will be these new roles that are going to continue to open up um, in this space. Uh, so, yeah, so I think the future is very bright and that's that's how I'll tackle it. That's great to hear. How can people interact with you, Sean? I'm pretty connected uh on platform so sean uh callanan on on twitter and snapchat and linkedin so it's s-e-a-n-c-a-l-l-a-n-a-n they can connect and find out more at all things geek at sportsgeekhq.com and connect with all the sports geek channels um and i guess my last sort of point of advice for people connecting in the space um i've had a I've had so much feedback and um, I've got, I'm getting so much from the Sportsbeat Slack community. So I've, I've built out a, a Slack group 
that I've offer, offered to anyone who's in the sports business or getting uh, wants to get into the sports business, um, which you can join by going to sportsgeekhq.com slash slack. And there's now over a thousand people in that in that group. And and it's amazing when I go in there and go into the digital channel and there's people from the Portland Trailblazers and there's people from Everton and there's people from Arsenal and there's people from you know, European clubs and Australian clubs and they're all being really open and collaborative in, in sharing that space. And, you know, when uh, graduates and students say, how can I connect? I said, just be in these platforms and be helpful and listen to these people because they're being very open and uh, sharing of what best practice is. And it, and it is the starting point of that, of that networking. Um, you know, once you start connecting with these people and you know what they're doing, um, it, it gives you, a, it gives you a leg up. So that's it. I'd be, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'd be headed. Um, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I'm happy to. Um, I would prefer if you said, I heard you on a podcast, I'd like to connect because then I know you actually did. Um, but I'm more than happy to connect on those platforms as well. Sean, sure, that is great to all the listeners listening in to be able to connect with Sean. All those links are on my website relating to this blog post. Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure and your Mark Cuban podcast show was amazing. And uh, thank you for chatting with me today. No problems, mate. Now, I really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Listening to Sean's career journey, there are so many key elements which are so relevant to the development of sport, especially the impact of digital marketing. From an industry perspective, if this is an area you want to pursue a career in, working with top clubs, top teams around the world to build engagement with new fans, understanding social media and understanding the different tools you can do to create fan engagement is the way forward and for me that's what I would really recommend you taking on board of what Sean was saying it is tough to work in the sports industry I've highlighted that a lot throughout this podcast show not just this episode but pretty much most of them but it's all about having that right work ethic as he said but also having the willingness to bring something to the table and bring a new perspective to help clubs or help sports teams or even athletes move forward. And that's how you'll be able to be hired and be recognised into getting a role in the sports industry. So the best advice I can give from this episode is try out different social media platforms, feel which ones you could specialise in and then apply it to the sports industry. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker, so you can discover your career journey in the sports industry and take action. Sean said, there is nothing stopping you working in sport. You need to have a great work ethic, connect and network with the right people, so you can develop and be a leader in that field. <laughs>